everybody. Welcome to Branding Bud Live, the live stream that's 100% THC, 0% WTF. Every week we bring business people to talk about the business of cannabis. I'm David Palaszczuk, the founder of Branding Bud Consulting Group and the author of Branding Bud, The Commercialization of Cannabis, the first book on cannabis branding. And I'm here with my BCF, best cannabis friend, Adriana Kiemens, a marketing executive with 100 years in the cannabis industry. <laughs> 100 years? Well, you're going to make me sound so old, David. Oh, I thought it was more experienced than old. Well, you know, if you add it all up, I do work extra hard, so it should count up to 100 years of experience. Just kidding. You. And and working in the cannabis industry, as we, we all know, is like dog years. So uh, so you might already be there. That's what they say. Uh, I'm super excited to be here. Thank you for that intro, David. And part of the reason why is because, number one, we're talking about my favorite topic today, which is cannabis beverages. We're also talking about alcohol beverages and beer, and we're talking about regionality and branding. So, you know, we'd love to talk to the audience. We love to hear where you guys are from. We love to hear what you're up to. Uh, but I also was hoping maybe you could settle a little bet for me. Uh, this is something that my husband and I were discussing yesterday, and there's a beverage, an alcoholic beverage from Massachusetts with vodka and cranberry juice, and we couldn't decide if it was called a Cape Cod or a Cape Codder. So if you know the answer, Cape Cod or Cape Codder, please drop it in the chat because I'd really like to know. Or in a Boston accent, which would be like a Cape Codder. Yeah, please do. <laughs> here you go. All right, somebody will know. And look, our favorite people are here already. Jordan. Yeah from Reno PR and Aaron Sales from Mocha Humboldt, hello from Humboldt. Um, we were just talking about Humboldt and uh, an upcoming wedding in Humboldt. Um, so we're pretty excited about that. Uh, good to see you again, Cheryl. Hey, Caleb. Caleb's in the garden cultivating. And hi, Stacy from Denver. Welcome, everybody. Yeah, we've got a great show. And we love the community that we built here and everybody participating. So uh, thank you for that. Our show today is pretty cool. As you said earlier, Adriana, the title is The Socialization of Cannabis Beverages. And we're going to be speaking with Sang Robertson. She is the Technical Director of Cannabis Research and Development at the Boston Beer Company. And for those of you that don't know, the Boston Beer Company owns Sam, Samuel Adams and a, and a number of other beer brands uh, that you do know, and cider brands and hard, uh, hard cider brands and so on and so forth. So we're going to be chatting with her about a whole bunch of things. Uh, relative to cannabis-infused beverages. And some of the things we'll be chatting about are what role uh, have beverages played in shaping gender associations and societal expectations, and how will this translate into cannabis beverages? How have beverages tradi tradi uh, traditionally been used to celebrate um, all sorts of things? And how will, how will cannabis sort of be slotted into that? You know, is, is champagne the only thing that's used for festifications, or will cannabis beverages fit in there as well. And then finally, we'll talk about some cannabis examples, cannabis beverages examples, and talk about where they are, where they're available, um, and some of the things that differentiate them. Love it. I'm super excited. Also, I love that you use the word festivizations. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, gee. Well, that said, I'm excited to speak with Say. Yeah, let's say hey. Hey, Sang, welcome. Hello, glad to be on here. Thank you, David. Thank you, Adriana. Thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to talk to you. Let's just jump in and, and tell us about yourself and what you're passionate about. Yeah, talking about socialization, um, definitely soccer is my socialization. Love playing soccer. And even at this age, there's nothing better than having teammates cheer you on. 
Um, so soccer would be one. Reading, passionate about reading. Currently reading the creative act of being a way of being. Um, you know, by Rick Rubin. So that's the book I'm reading now. Um, and really learning new things. You know, this week I took a pottery class for the first time. Um, the last few years I've been growing a cannabis plant. I have a miniature plant that's starting to grow right here. Um, so, you know, anybody in the audience open for audience advice on how to grow better cannabis. Um, you know, it's, uh, it, it, there is, there is a technique. So again, love learning new things and really trying to elevate my growing experience. So um, I love yeah. that. I know we have at least two people in the audience who can give you some tips on growing <laughs> cannabis, probably I was, more. I was about to say, we've got some superstars in terms of that. In the audience, yeah. so, uh, so you never know. I yeah, it's know. definitely not easy. <laughs> I'm surprised about soccer. That's just not what, what I would have guessed. So uh, it's always interesting to hear things about uh, our guests that, uh, you know, I would not have thought. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Well, so you are the um, technical director of R&D at the Boston Beer Company for Cannabis and for Cannabis Beverages. How does one find that role? Um, how does one find their way, you know, into to being in such an interesting role? Yeah. First, I have to say technical director. I get a lot of IT solicitation from LinkedIn. I'm the last person you want to ask for IT, but I can tell you technical director. Um, really, I started with many roles. Um, I started with a quality role when I first graduated, um, you know, and then I went into research and then product development and operations. So I really had that opportunity to really um, build this base with, you know, um, different experiences and really a wide base of knowledge, which you really need to launch a good product, you know, in terms of quality and, and researching. Um, so I've been really fortunate to have um, that different experience um, and really enjoy mentoring teams. Um, so, you know, that's how I became a technical director. Um, I joined the industry in 2018, the cannabis industry, and ever since then fell in love with it and, you know, had this great opportunity to join the Boston Beer Company, um, you know, which is a great organization. And uh, yeah, it's been it's a great role to have um, and, you know, it's challenging being in this new space, but, you know, I think having that um, diverse background has really helped. Um, so that's what a technical director does, a little bit of everything, many hats. Yeah, you obviously know a lot about beverages and cannabis and, and since we're getting like really sort of specific into the nitty gritty, we'll talk a little bit about product development and branding but maybe just to sort of level set for, for people who are listening in and might not be super familiar with the science. Can you share with us a little bit about like what, what should people know just at a high level about the science of infused cannabis beverages? Yeah, I think there's this misconception that it's like this really new product, but if you think about it, what we're really making is a beverage, um, you know, and a great tasting beverage. So, at the end of the day, you know, it's similar to say an energy drink where um, people are infusing caffeine into a beverage. We're, you know, cannabis is really, these cannabinoids are ingredients that we're infusing into a beverage. So first and foremost, you're developing a beverage and then you're infusing the cannabinoids. Where there is maybe a bit of nuance is these um, cannabinoids aren't water soluble. So you have to contend with somehow mixing a non- um, water loving with 
um, the liquid. So there's different ways of doing that. But again, it's not new to the food industry. The food industry has dealt with emulsions. If you think about even something as simple as milk, um, you're, you know, emulsifying fat globules into water. So, you know, similar to milk, you have to find a way to get these um, non-water loving molecules into the beverage. So that's one thing that's um, a little bit different. And then um, the other thing is cannabinoids can react to oxygen, light, packaging, even the different ingredients. Um, so you have to be really knowledgeable about making sure that, you know, your beverage has the amount of cannabinoids that meets the label claim, um, you know, so you know, there's, there's definitely science behind it. Um, but it is a lot of product development at the end of the day, you are making a beverage that needs to taste good. Um, and really, when you're developing it, it, the sensory is so important, right? So if someone came to me and said, Oh, I developed a formulation in three tries, I'd be like, how good does that formulation taste? Um, I can say we sometimes go over 50 to 100 iterations, you know, little changes and nuances to kind of perfect that, um, you know, beverage. So, um, but at a high level, there is a lot of science behind a cannabis beverage. You, you know, it seems to me, just in terms of the iterations, it seems to me over the course of time uh, that I've been in the industry and working with beverages, which is now, I guess, almost 12 years, um, initially, you, you didn't have that homogenization. You, you know, you had lobs of, of cannabis oil sticking to the cap, you know, in the bottle or to the bottom or you had some sort of separation. And it seems in, I don't know, I want to say maybe the last four or five years, that's been sort of worked through. So it's just interesting to see the, um, I, I guess, how beverages have been developed in, this, in a strange way. Because initially they were uh, like, for example, uh, 420 quencher or cannabis quencher rather, you know, more of a juice, very sweet. And the sweetness was really often to offset the taste of cannabis. And now that we've worked through, um, you know, with companies like Source and Virtosa, among others, that have sort of worked through the technology, and now we're at a place where um, people are adding terpenes or coming back to the cannabis flavor intentionally rather than trying to hide it with different things. Um, has, has technology changed um, in the course of the last few years that has allowed the flavor profiles to change as well? Absolutely. I think, you know, anybody who's tasted a bad cannabis beverage, I hope you don't stay away from the category because cannabis beverages can taste good. And I think exactly like what you said, David, like, you know, um, you know, we didn't bring it like, you know, anyone who's developed it early on, maybe prior to legalization, maybe the science wasn't there. But now that we have the science to make a great tasting beverage, I think, um, you know, we can bring people back to the category who might have tasted it once before and was like, this is sickeningly sweet. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, it, it can be really, really good. Um, and I think, you know, it's pulling in, you know, like I said, you know, this experience from the CPG world where, you know, emulsions aren't new to um, the food industry. So I think that's um, what's uh, really um, important that we continually improve the science. It seems like a good fit, right, for a beer company like Boston Beer Company that has a long history of developing flavors that, you know, consumers will crave and come back for. Can you talk a little bit about the strategy that went into 
the decision to like launch a cannabis infused beverage and why this was a good fit for Boston Beer Company? Yeah, I would say, you know, Boston Beer Company knows beverages, right? Um, They're really great at creating great brands that are iconic. Um, You know, when you think about like Truly or Dogfish or Sam Adams, um, Twisted Tea, Angry Orchard. So, you know, a lot of great brands with a lot of great tasting beverages. Um, I would say, you know, um, similar to what um, Michael Kaufman, who's been on your podcast previously, um, he said, you know, it starts with a quality product, you know, without a quality product, you can only get so far. And I think that's part of the ethos of Boston beer, like a quality product. Um, We knew we could create um, a great cannabis product and, you know, um, we knew we could be leaders in that category. Um, So, you know, I think it was a great fit. And, you know, with teapot, it's really, you know, the right pot with the right tea with the right time of day. And, you know, having experience with Twisted Tea that's doing phenomenally well right now, I think it was just an easy transition to say, yes, we can do this and we can do this well. And and just to be specific, um, Twisted Tea versus Teapot, one's cannabis infused, one's not. Exactly. One's an alcoholic product and one is not an alcoholic product. One is cannabis infused. Um, Again, you know, we're actually um, under um, a subsidiary of the Boston Beer Company. So we're fully only operational in Canada. Um, You know, that kind of separates us from the U.S. market. We only operate in Canada and we're a subsidiary of the Boston Beer Company. But again, you know, we have the ability to tap into a great resource at Boston um, and all the talented people there to de- help develop products. And, you know, just just for those that aren't familiar with this, just to put this in perspective, you know, a lot of people have heard of uh, Sam Adams. A lot of people have, have heard of Angry Orchard, that sort of thing. But, you know, sometimes they they haven't heard of Boston Beer, of the Boston Beer Company. So, you know, it's this is as important as, for example, PAPS, Blue Ribbon, creating PAPS Labs and coming into the cannabis space. Um, you know, and there's other other large uh, beverage companies out there that are looking at the space and, and waiting for the right moment. But I have to say, um, you know, I respect those companies that um, jumped in earlier and, uh, and are really legitimizing and normalizing uh, the space and, and also the form factor too, you know, of a cannabis infused beverage. I think that's really important. Yeah, and I really think um, an organization like Boston Beer really normalizes cannabis beverages, you know, um, and I think mm-hmm. that's really important. Definitely. I want to uh, call out a question from Michelle. Thanks, Michelle, for dropping your question in the chat. Uh, she says, will you ever make beverages for the medical side, higher milligram and full spectrum? Yeah, we are, we're always um, in the works of developing new products. I can say Teapot is available in Canada through a medical channel. Um, you know, but it is not a higher milligram. Um, you know, we're always in the works with um, developing new beverage, and we currently are um, developing, um, you know, different um, formulations in potentially higher, higher milligrams and full spectrum. So um, stay tuned. You know, and, and uh, you know, Michelle, thank you for that question. And so this begs the next question, which is, 
you know, here we are talking to you, the technical director of R&D for the Boston Beer Company. Um, you're obviously, you work in the alcohol industry um, and the brewing industry and beverage industry. Um, but here we just got a question about the medical side, you, you know, so, um, you know, somebody asking for full spectrum and higher dosage. Um, how does how does that sort of come into play when we talk about um, you know the benefits of cannabis infused beverages and how they'll play a role in in society? You know, here on one level we're talking about adult use recreational in the same way that the other beverages that Boston Beer creates, and now now here's a question relative to medical. How does how does that sort of land in your world? Yeah, I think for medical side, um, traditionally, there's been a lot of flour in the medical um, side. But I think, you know, there is a subset of people who who don't want to inhale. And I think having different form factors like beverages, um, you know, makes sense on the medical side. I think it's just, you know, sometimes, um, again, you know, uh, making a higher dose taste good does take time. Um, and um, definitely, you know, the different channels, it's, it can be challenging. But I think, you know, um, definitely the medical side, and this is why you can buy teapot through the medical side, medical side even though it's not high dose for those low dose. Um, you know, I think it's very important to have these different form factors for um, the medical patients. Yeah, something for everyone out there, uh, which leads me to let's let's jump into an audience participation. I feel like people are warmed up. Our chat is pretty active now. Uh, and since we're on the topic of, of talking about different types of consumers and what they want and maybe like what the overlap is between these, um, these two different needs and desires, this is the question, the first audience participation question for today. In Q1 of this year, consumers of which beverage type were most likely to also be flower consumers, flower, cannabis flower, uh, A, beer drinkers, B, coffee drinkers, C, wine drinkers, or D, tea drinkers. And I should say that this stat comes from our friends over at Brightfield, and this is part of their EverG uh, CPG um, platform. Super helpful and interesting. And this is interesting to me. I mean, obviously, <clears throat> hops and cannabis are are very connected in in many ways. Um, but but coffee drinkers and cannabis consumers are too. I'm, I'm very curious to uh, see what the answer is. Audience, mm -hmm. feel free to chime in. We have one guess for D from Michelle. Aaron is throwing in a guess for B. Coffee drinkers. Keep them coming. Let's see. Sam, what do you think? Well, I think the occasion, you know, um, cannabis occasions seem to really mirror the alcohol occasion, like beer and wine. Um, you know, I work with a lot of colleagues who are beer drinkers, and I know they're also cannabis users. So to me, I kind of lean towards that way from experience um, in seeing what's going on around me. Um, but I think, yeah, all these, all these drinkers could be cannabis drinkers or also flower consumers. I'm seeing a lot of guesses for B in here. Um, Aileen guessed for beer drinkers. Quentin guessed D, tea drinkers. I see Daniel guessed for B, coffee drinkers. Cheryl's weighing in on coffee and beer. Cheryl's double dipping here. There we go. <laughs> 
For sure, I definitely think there's a connection between um, um, coffee, the consumption of coffee and consumption of cannabis. But I know on the plant level, hops and cannabis are related. So I'm either going for A or B, that's, that's my answer. What do you think, Adriana? I think let's reveal the answer because these are all excellent guesses. Beans and greens, says Stacy. <laughs> I love that. Beans and greens. Hey, Stacy, how are you? B and D. All right, let's see what it is. Drum roll, please. The drum roll, here it comes. And it's beer drinker. Uh, beer drinkers. Yeah, I mean, this is very close. It seems to sort of like scale between 12% and 17%. And again, this is just from Q1. Uh, Brightfield does collect data quarterly from a sample size of 5,000 consumers across the US and across Canada too. Uh, it was interesting to see how closely related these are and that they are, that beer is the number one. They're people that are also consuming, most likely to also consume cannabis flour. Uh, and Eileen got it right. Congrats. Yeah. You know, and when I, when I read this, one of the things I was thinking was I would love to flip this question around to be um, of those that consume flour, what percentage also consumed coffee? Because that seems to me, you know, to be sort of a, you know, an intersection of, of things that people always sort of connect. Um, beans and greens is, as they just laid it out. I've never heard that expression, but I like it. I like it. Um, Sang, how have beverages traditionally been used to celebrate occasions and how can cannabis um, beverages, you know, continue this tradition or differentiate this tradition? You know, and, and by that, I mean, um, you know, champagne, you, you know, is a drink that is often uh, had on specific occasions or um, different drinks, you, you know, call out different genders or different uh, occasions. How does, um, how does cannabis fit into this? Or how will it? Yeah. Yeah, I think it can definitely fit into um, celebrating occasions. I think beverages in general are, you know, um, really an important part of celebrations. They kind of create this memory association. I can say, you know, even like um, celebrating a milestone birthday in Banff, I I can vividly remember the cocktail I drank, you know, you know, it was like a watermelon rosemary cocktail. And it just is part of a great memory association with celebrations. And I think cannabis can really be part of that. And the reason being is um, out of all the form factors for cannabis, um, there was an Ipsos, um, you know, study, and it showed that um, cannabis beverages were, was, you know, four times more likely to be consumed in a group environment of five or more versus like a vape or, you know, an edible. So I think that really points to like the social aspect and, you know, the celebratory, you know, you're celebrating with friends or family. It can be any beverage really and cannabis can really play into that um you know um to me i think it it works really well with celebrations you know when you're cheersing with friends and family and like you said it could be champagne it could be celebrating at you know a sporting event with a beer like beverages are just appearances to help elevate that celebration that's so true and it's so sort of ingrained in what we come to expect as as human beings interacting with each other and 
like the the example you just gave of the sporting event and toasting with a beer that's like so much a part of how we envision ourselves like in that moment um so it's really exciting to see this category expand and i think that there will start to become like some cultural norms that are associated with cannabis beverages and certain events or or to your point david some celebrations because we're on the topic of culture and this is something that we wanted to broach a little bit is is uh gender right so there's there's almost sort of like we talk about this in branding a lot there maybe is a gender-based brand or even a gender-based campaign even though we're sort of living in a post-gender mm -hmm. culture now but there's still uh, a little thread of that i think still being woven in can you speak to that a little bit saying because i'm really curious if you feel like cannabis beverages may be um influencing our perceptions of, of gender and and uh culture mm -hmm. and and the uh drinking and consuming cannabis yeah i think it reminds me of this commercial that I, I saw one time where like, um, you know, a couple orders a cocktail and a beer and the server brings it and automatically brings the beer to the male and the cocktail to the female. And it was kind of, um, and, and you know, the, cons um, the customers, they switch because it was really the female that ordered the beer. And I can say being like this Asian female, when I order beer, people be like, I didn't expect you to order a beer but sometimes I do prefer beer um, over a cocktail. So I think there is already stereotypes historically in alcohol, where as in cannabis, a new category, I think anyone involved in marketing or, you know, developing a brand, um, we do have, um, you know, a responsibility that it's very inclusive. It doesn't need to be one gender or another. And we have this opportunity with this new category to be um, to define it. So to me, I'm very excited about it. And um, again, you know, like even looking at teapot, when you look at the brand, it doesn't really sway somebody to say it's a female or a male brand or, you know, a specific, you know, it's very inclusive. And I think a lot of the cannabis brands that have come out are very inclusive. I can't say I look at one and think, oh, male, female, or, you know, an older demographic or a younger demographic. And this really gets me excited about this category because we can do away with all those stereotypes, right? So, yeah, I think it's a great opportunity. You know, what's so interesting to me um, <clears throat> as, as we, we talk about this, um, I guess not too long ago, a couple of years ago, can was just can. But um, I want to say two years ago, um, during Gay Pride Month, the two owners came out and said they were gay. Um, their ads all of a sudden took a right turn and really showed um, LGBTQ um, uh, forward ads, and they really harnessed a community um, that was there. And so it's interesting, like on, on one hand, we talk about old-fashioned stereotypes, you know, uh, of male and female and, and the beer versus the cocktail. Um, but it's interesting to sort of see uh, how this shared experience, this community experience is sort of really what's happening right now, especially in the cannabis space, um, you know, where there are brands for these specific communities or to cater to these communities, or at the very least to be inclusive of these communities. And I think that's really interesting and and you know certainly a trend in the general world but but almost like a hyper trend um, in the cannabis space so i i think it's it's really a reaction to the outside world too 
but um, have you seen any other brands that you know seem to be hyper focused on a on a community um, as such? Yeah, I wouldn't say in Canada I've seen that. You know, I think one of the issues here in Canada um, is advertisement. You know, you can't really advertise to a certain demographic because advertisement is almost non-existent in the cannabis industry. We're very regulated with advertising. So it's um, hard to advertise to a community even um, in the way that it's regulated. So I think that is one of the challenges. But again, I haven't really seen that in Canada. I feel like, um, you know, it's been very, all brands are very open and, you know, not really, tar um, not really like um, kind of catering to a certain community, um, but just being very open. Yeah, that's interesting. And you're right. Um, you're, you're in Canada, which is something to be noted. Um, you, you know, for example, yeah. the Can campaign had billboards on Sunset Boulevard yeah. in LA. So just absolutely very different um, pools. Environment. I want to just uh, call out a, a side conversation that I see going on in the chat, which I think is so interesting. Um, Stacy asked, off topic, but is liquid death more popular amongst men? And there's a little back and forth about what liquid death is. This has actually come up on Branding Bud Live a couple times before, and we were joking around that like water is now edgy and cannabis is now mainstream. It, like within all of this sort of like movement toward a more inclusive community, then you also see something that goes the exact opposite direction and wants it to be like very niche and sort of um, not only like gender focused, but very like heavy metal focused, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, so yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see sort of like these divergent paths of beverages that we would consider to be, you know, totally mainstream and not edgy, like going off in a weird direction. Uh, anyway, a little off topic, but I thought it was interesting, so I wanted to call it out. And since we're talking about regionality, I think it would be cool to go into our next um, audience participation. Is that everyone on board with that? Absolutely. <laughs> all right. This is a fun one, too. Okay. Talking about states, because we all know there's so much variation state to state in the U.S. During the first 10 months of 2022, which U.S. state had the highest growth in cannabis beverage sales? Is it A, Arizona, B, Illinois, C, Colorado, or D, Michigan? And this data point comes from headset.io, and this is sales data. Feel free to take a guess. Which U.S. state had the highest growth in cannabis beverage sales? Arizona, A, B, Illinois, C, Colorado, or D, Michigan? I see one vote for A, it's from Stacy for Arizona. Michelle is guessing D, Michigan. Let's see what else will roll in. This might be a little bit of a tricky one, but it's interesting stat. But Stacy knows her beverages. I'm tempted to make it. Zang, any thoughts on this? Oh, you're asking a Canadian. Um, this one's extremely hard for me. <laughs> Well, you know, we do produce our beverages just right across from Michigan. I could pretty much see Michigan um, when I'm there. So I would say Michigan just because, yeah, I can I can see it from the border. So <laughs> that's the only that's the only basis. I have no other basis of making this choice. 
That's like uh, what Sarah Palin said about Russia. She could see it from Alaska. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, um, somebody said C because I'm from Colorado. I, I was going to say C because Colorado starts with C. Let's uh, <laughs> let's see what the answer is. And that was Quentin. Thank you for your guess, Quentin. And the answer is D, Michigan. Michelle, you got it right. Good job. Uh, yeah, so during the first 10 months of 2022, Michigan's beverage sales increased 272% over the same period in 2021. Uh, we also saw a lot of growth happening in Massachusetts. Love that Massachusetts made it to this list because we're talking a lot about Massachusetts today. Um, and then a couple of states saw a small dip in cannabis beverage sales, Colorado, Maryland, and Nevada. Interesting. Yeah. Saying you were right. You saw Michigan coming. <laughs> well, so um, moving along, you, you know, saying you you work at the Boston Beer Company, and, and that said, um, I, I want to gently ask you this question, right? Because you work for a company that sells alcohol beverages, and you also work for a company and develop cannabis beverages. You know, what's what's the economic growth potential. What what is it a zero sum game as as alcohol drinkers leave alcohol and come over to cannabis, or or do cannabis consumer rather do alcohol uh, drinkers also drink? Will they also drink? And do they also drink? So you know, is there more consumption happening, or or are people leaving one pool and moving into another? Yeah, um, you know, this is totally my personal take on it, but I would say, you know, um, there is space for both. And then when you think about the alcohol industry, it's huge. It's, you know, people love beverages, um, you know, so I think um, it's not one or the other. I think there's going to, you know, alcohol is not going to go anywhere. It's, you know, a tried into true beverage form. Um, I think there's also room for the cannabis. Um, and this could be, you know, people who for some, you know, for their own personal reasons, don't drink alcohol, it's giving them a choice. And, you know, you're drawing in people who don't drink alcohol, but now they have a choice to drink um, cannabis beverages. And hopefully like one day in consumption, like, you know, in restaurants, you can drink cannabis because, you know, you're giving people options. So one, you, you are drawing in new drinkers for sure. Um, but there's also, you know, people's preferences, consumers' preferences change. Um, and some are, you know, kind of um, deciding to drink less alcohol and you do see that. Um, and that's, you know, you're keeping that those drinkers by providing them again choice with cannabis beverages or a non-elk. Um, you know, I've been going to a lot of dinners and it's just really interesting. People are, you know, I had ordered um, a Sam Adams Gold Rush, which is a non-elk beer. And I'm like, oh, am I going to be the only one not drinking? And it turns out quite a few people drink either they didn't want to you know drive home they had to drive home or they've had a stressful day or whatnot but I think there is space for both and I think economics wise you're just you're either keeping um drinkers or you're bringing in new drinkers who maybe didn't drink alcohol um there's gonna be a bit of cannibalism but you know what again the the alcohol industry is large so I think more important is you're either going to bring in new drinkers who didn't drink alcohol, or you're going to keep drinkers who are um, going away from alcohol, so. 
Right. You know, one, and one thing I think is important, and correct me if I'm wrong, Boston Beer did a program with Mountain Dew, correct? They did, yeah. And did so really I had worked heavily on Mountain Dew back in the day when, when it went extreme. Um, and so over the years, I followed the Mountain Dew brand, and I was really surprised in a pleasant way when I saw that Mountain Dew now had an health brand. Why? Because... I saw that demographic grow up, right? You know, I saw them as pimply skateboarding boys and then, you know, turning into, you know, 20 somethings that were gaming and all of a sudden now we're not looking for that sweet beverage, but we're looking for an alternative to an alcoholic beverage. So that just made all the sense of the world to me. Um, and I think that will probably start to happen too, as we see you know, people age within categories and how we cater to their needs. Yeah, especially Gen Z, because we know that they are a consumer segment that really values choice and they're not necessarily stuck in the same traditions that, that other generations are. And I think that they will be the, probably the most adaptable and flexible when it comes to choosing beverages and they want choice and they want to be able to experience, you know, a wide variety of products, potentially even in the same session. So I totally agree with you. Yeah. It's interesting. So uh, anyone who wants to ask saying a question, please feel free to drop your question in the chat. And I want to ask uh, any final thoughts or predictions about the future of cannabis infused beverages? Yeah, I would say for sure there's going to be a tipping point. Um, you know, with cannabis beverages, it's difficult when, you know, you can't advertise. And some of my friends didn't even know that cannabis beverages were available or didn't know where to purchase it. But I think, you know, there will be a tipping point. And I could give two personal stories of, you know, um, the start of this tipping point. One is a friend who texted me and he's just like, you know, during Frosh Week at university, our, our local university, they had to confiscate cannabis beverages. Now, anybody who knows, when you start, you know, college or university, you're not of age to drink alcohol or cannabis beverages. And traditionally, they have to confiscate alcohol beverages. Um, it's quite common. But to finally hear that, okay, they're confiscating cannabis beverages. Yes, if you're underage, please don't drink. But they're confiscating cannabis beverages. And it just goes to what you said earlier, Adriana, um, of that demographic, right? Um, so that is very interesting. And then the other one would be, you know, I had a friend come over and normally I pull open the fridge and I gave him a beer and he said, actually, can I have a teapot? And I was just like internally happy, like, you know, like someone's asking for a teapot. So I think there will be a tipping point where, you know, cannabis beverages is normalized and, you know, more wide stream and hopefully there's consumption lounges and being able to drink in, you know, um, restaurants. And I just think, yeah, we're getting close to that tipping point. You know, I'm so I'm curious about something. Um, I was on uh, a webinar last week, and um, one of the questions uh, that came up was, "What was the future of a what was the future of dispensaries, and what would a dispensary look like?" You know, and my first answer, I said, I have two answers. My first answer is, it will have everything for everybody. It will, you know, you can you can do self purchases. There'll be vending machines. There'll be advisors if you need more information for products. You know, so you could either get what you want and be on your way, or you could really take time and figure it out. My second answer was there won't be dispensaries in the future. Um, cannabis will be sold just like basically alcohol and tobacco. Right? You can go into convenience stores. Um, 
and these new channels, if you will, will open up. Do you have any, and I, I know you're in Canada and I know the distribution <laughs> system is very different there, but do you have any thoughts on that? You know, the future of, of distribution of cannabis infused beverages, will they be right next to the, the beers uh, and malt liquors and energy drinks? Yeah, I think, um, you know, it would be amazing at one point to get there. I think it's going to be slow. Um, you know, um, regulations are going to be cautious about it, right? Um, to make sure that it doesn't get into the hands of, um, you know, those that are underage. But I think, you know, one day it'll be normalized. Alcohol was very restricted at one point, you know, prohibition and stuff. And I think at one point, it's just how long will that take to get to that point of um, being on par with alcohol in terms of distribution, but um, can you know Canada is a little bit different. There are a lot of dispensaries everywhere, and um, there's not um, you know it's not hard to get cannabis products here, so um, it's very very um, available. And we do have a question that just came in from Wally, uh, which I love, saying, does teapot have any auxiliary emulsion tech to increase onset and peak, reduce duration, RE, metabolic pathways? Very technical question. Thanks, yeah. Wally. Yeah, um, thanks, Wally. Um, you know, it's it's difficult because I, I do get asked that a lot, onset and peak. And um, it's similar to alcohol where everyone had to try it for the first time to see how it made them feel. And for me, it's, it all depends on like how much I've eaten, how much I slept, um, you know, how, how fast I'm drinking it. But for me personally, I would say teapot is quite fast. Um, to me, it's like about, um, you know, 15 minutes, but I would say it's similar to, for me, drinking alcohol. Like, you know, I, I was going to an event, I had a teapot. It would be very similar onset time to an alcoholic beverage for me. Um, but again, it's so personalized. Um, and it's weird because you don't really get asked that a lot in alcohol. What's the onset, the peak duration, because everybody kind of knows it. Um, and I feel like it, we just have to get there with um, cannabis beverages. Everyone has to try it and figure it out for themselves. What's that peak onset? But in terms of emulsion tech, yes, it is faster than I would say a gummy um, or an edible. Um, there is technology in teapot to make it a quicker onset. You, you know, <clears throat> Sam, I think, um, and, and this is a deep conversation, we don't have to really, really go into it now for sure, but one of the things that, that I always see is, you know, these types of questions always come up back, um, you know, whether it's the onset or whether it's the high dosage. Um, and I think these questions keep on reappearing because of the medical side of things. Like you said, in alcohol, nobody, nobody ever asked the question, how long is it going to take for me to feel this, right? So I think there's there's both of those aspects, and I think you know people who often who ask the onset question or the dosage questions are the ones that are probably coming more from a medical perspective. But um, um, it's interesting. But Sen, you have shared so much information with us today, and we just really appreciate what you do. Um, how you do it, you know, it's it's both uh, technical and it's thoughtful, and you know, you're working for one of the best companies in the industry. So we appreciate that they've also taken the step to normalize uh, the acceptance of cannabis and to make, um, you know, make products that uh, everybody can enjoy um, in in a safe in a safe way, and that's what it's all about.
So thank you for spending time with us today. Yeah, and thank you, Adrian and David, for really creating this community so we can chat about these great topics and important topics. So thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, as usual, we, we always have uh, guests who just you know are enlightening and um, inform us and school us along the way. So uh, so we thank Sang. Next week, we've got a really great show. Our show is called Cannabis Design and Lifestyle. We have uh, two guests, which are Lana Van Brunt and Haley Deneen, and they are the co-founders of Sackville. And Sackville is a New York City-based cannabis accessories company. So we're going to be talking design, accessories, cannabis, lifestyle, and how it all comes together. Um, and we're looking forward to that. Awesome. Yeah, and the glue that holds it all together is branding. We love it. Thanks everyone for joining. Thank you for participating in our little quizzes and thank you for your comments and questions. Have a wonderful thirsty Thursday. That's right. And we'll see you next week. Don't forget cannabis is best kept secret at brandingbud.com. We'll see you next week. Thank you everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.